It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Well, thank you, Mike Ross, and welcome, everybody, to Leaf Sky, Episode 33, Season 2 of Leaf Sky, with you for the next half hour or so. David Alter from the Nation Network will be by to discuss the Leafs as the season is over and what the maybe changing perspective would be now that we know what Tampa did in the second round and seeing ex-Leafs play on other teams as they advance or try to in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Before we get going, hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on. Oh, yes, guy, it is. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 in any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what. Win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings Same Game Parlays? You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Call to action, ladies and gentlemen, goes like this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 in any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. The code is THPN, a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So, going to get right into the conversation now. We know why the Leafs were eliminated by Tampa. We'll go over that and look forward to what the Leafs may have to do to get this thing out of the first round next year. And also, talk about some of the ex-Leafs that are doing well in the playoffs while the Leafs sit by and watch. Here is the conversation with David Alter from the Nation Network. All right, Dave, so a week and a half later, the Leafs are out. You're watching the second round and seeing the difference in the teams that advance. When you look back on that elimination by the Leafs in Game 7, have you changed your opinion? No, I haven't changed my opinion. For those listening wondering what that is, is it's not the majority of of the sentiment of a lot of Leafs fans where a lot of them that were polled seem to be okay with the results that they got this season in the regular season and that just modest changes are enough to kind of keep things going and and running it back. I I think, I think a, a change of some kind to the core, regardless of what it is, is perhaps needed. Something about the attitude within the room kind of has to change. And, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where there's just been a real kind of I don't want to say complacency because it's not it's not complacency among the fan base, but maybe it's just kind of like a shrug the shoulders kind of being like, well, you know, they did their best and they were pretty good in the regular season and they just got bested by 
the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. And to me, that's kind of the wrong attitude to have here, just given what's happened in recent years, what's happened with uh, the team in terms of running things back and and the issues that they, they are going to have in the offseason. They don't need to completely reconstruct everything, but something's got to happen in that room that really changes things, that they really want to find that first or second notch to really push the ball past the goal line because when we look back on it, they just didn't get the job done. It really doesn't matter who it was against or what they did in the regular season. They didn't get the job done, and and people are just not focusing on the headline, and that's that's kind of what's troubling to me at least. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I, I was one of them. I was willing to separate this elimination from the others because, it, to me, it felt different. Uh, I liked what they did in the off season in terms of moves. Uh, it just seems to be a lack of a number of forwards uh, that will skate through a brick wall, that have that intensity, that don't sort of stop short on a play. I mean, when you watch the teams in the second rounds, especially those that are leading their series, they have an abundance of that, don't they? Yeah, I mean, look, it's look, Tampa's, we talked about their energy players, right? It's the uh, the third and fourth liners that really kind of step into the lanes, bring the energy, allow the skill guys to be the skill guys, but really come in and shut everything down and block the lanes. And uh, one of the things Montreal did well against the Leafs in the last few games of that first round series was, you know, clog up the back end, like make it so that they, the Leafs just couldn't push through. And they kind of had to go around instead, and that wasn't their game. So uh, there's that. The Leafs' solution to that, for the most part, with the exception of guys like Pierre Engvall, has been to take veterans and kind of convert them into that spot. And and veterans that are used to playing in a different spot and moving down. And, and that works for some guys, but there's a limit on that. And, um, yeah, and – I, I like you, you kind of need, you need people that just know how to play the game of officiating too. Like that extra shove, that, that stuff to kind of play the games within the game that I think the Leafs are kind of lacking in that regard as well. So yeah, they, they, they really need to kind of change things and running things back by just adding a few big players, regardless of who they are, I don't think is enough. I, I do think that there's got to be some sort of attitude change that they're angry about what happened, not just the fact that, well, we were better and we just didn't get the job done. There's got to be a real anger, like a like a beast mode uh, that we just haven't seen from the Leafs. Like we see it in the regular season and in flashes, but we just don't see it enough in the regular season. And that lack of killer instinct is still a big problem, regardless of how people want to quantify it. They had leads throughout the series. They had opportunities to really separate themselves. But when push came to shove, they didn't get the job done. And that's, that's really what matters at this point. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point, but I mean, clearly Tampa's fourth line was superior from the Leafs version of that. I mean, that, that was a big difference. Yeah, it was. Look, when you have, and I, I, I'm mixing up who was on the third and fourth line, but, you know, you, you kind of have your Pierre Edward Bellamars, you have your Pat Maroons. Like these guys, like, Forget the fact that Maroons won three Stanley Cups in a row because that's an easy thing to justify Pat Maroon. But one of the other things he does is he's a bit of an a-hole in that regard where, like, he's getting under the skin of guys on the ice and and knowing to pick and choose the spots to get that extra shove in when refs aren't looking. And that's 
that's part of the game. Like, regardless of how you want to bitch and moan about how the Leafs didn't get the benefits of the calls, like, you know what, that's tough. Like, you, you have to find a way to push over that or, or, or ways to kind of play that game where you can get the calls on your side. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really just um, a situation where, like, it's uh, they really kind of have to find ways to kind of get these type of players and, and fix that. But also a change to maybe a core guy is one of those things where you kind of need to, to kind of just send the message that what happened wasn't acceptable and you really have to find another level. Okay, let's go through this. Uh, there are, I think there are spots in the team that I don't know if they're going to fix, but, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. Well, let's start with the goaltending. And I don't know exactly what kind of dollar figure Jack Campbell gets signed to, but there is potential that it's, it's significant. What do you think? Uh, how do you think the Leafs tackle that problem? Do they re-sign them? What do they do with Morazic? I mean, that, those are big issues. The number one issue outside of Campbell regardless of if you have Campbell or not, is getting rid of that Mrazic contract somehow. It is mistake number one the Leafs made last summer. Because when you go back to it, when they sign that deal, when you're paying someone that much more than what Jack Campbell was projected to be if Jack Campbell continued the pace that he was on, well, then you, you ran into a problem. Because even at $3.8 million, it was an expensive backup proposition. The only way it was going to work out for the Leafs is if Mrazic was the next Frederick Anderson, someone who could play 60-plus games and really just get best value for your buck for a starting goalie. That's the only way that contract works because a backup shouldn't make more than a couple. And, uh, and that wasn't the case. He was pretty much not as advertised, but he was he, his career was summed up by a season. He was often injured, had flashes of brilliance, and odd goals were given up. That was that's been pretty much Peter Morazic's career, and that's what they got in Peter Morazic this season. Maybe more injury than they expected, but that's what they got, and they have two more years of that. And they really can't they really can't afford to to keep him on, even if they have to buy him out and keep that contract pushed around for four years at a much smaller cap hit. That might be necessary because that is such a big hole, and I don't see a team taking that on in a trade without a big sweetener, which the Leafs do not have a lot of. They don't have a lot of draft picks. They really have to start thinking about the the future five years down the road in terms of who's going to play for this team uh, when the window not eventually closes, but when they have to kind of figure out what they're going to do with their core. And so – you have to get rid of that. Then when it comes to Jack Campbell, well, look, Jack Campbell, if he goes on the open market, he's getting $5 million per year. Easy. You look at what Cal Peterson got with L.A. and what Linus Allmark got in tandem roles, tandem roles at $5 million a year, there's no way, if I'm Kurt Overhart, Jack Campbell's agent, I'm, I'm settling for anything that doesn't start with a five on the open market. And so if there is a hometown discount to be had for the Leafs, I can't see that number being any smaller than a four because Jack Campbell's 30 years old. He took a long time to mature in this league. And I know money isn't everything, but like a lot of players at this age, and we saw it with Zach Hyman before, this is your time to cash in 
because you may never get it again. And so that's going to be the real problem for the Maple Leafs right here because goaltending was an issue. Do you believe in Jack Campbell or are there going to be those moments where there's going to be a lot of management of this goaltending and are you willing to go through that for another season? So there's that and there isn't a lot on the open market. Darcy Kemper is a great option. He'll be a USA, but I can't see Colorado letting him go to free agency and that number will be even more expensive. And so there's also the trade option that's been talked about. But again, that's going to come at the cost of assets. So whatever happens, it's just not an ideal Rubik's Cube for the Maple Leafs to try to figure out when it comes to the goaltending situation. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic Maple Leaf. Um, I, I don't know what the next word is, but it's a classic Leaf scenario whereby you, even if you agree that you, you want to re-sign Jack Campbell, the Morazic money gets in the way of it uh, either way like either you're you're keeping him or you're buying him out and and if you're trading him as you say you've got all offers the ultimate sweetener because somebody's going to have to suck up that 3.8 million over the next two years and, and i don't know there's a lineup for that no uh like look remember patrick marlowe he was signed to a three-year deal it was expensive and everyone kind of bemoaned that third year because i was going to take him into 41 and but the third year was necessary when they signed him. He wasn't going to leave otherwise. So what ended up happening was they had to find a trade partner that would take the entire cap hit, and it cost them, they believe, the first-round draft. And they're not at that, that point where they want to start giving those up again. Uh, they did before, and it seems like every time that they have, it's worked out terribly for the Maple Leafs. Uh, Nick Foligno is the number one that comes to mind last year. So... Um, yeah, they, they really don't want to be doing that. Um, but they have to start thinking at some point about their future. Like, like not right now. They have to, to, to stockpile. I think they only have two draft picks going in. Granted, they're the top two, but they don't, they don't have a lot. Like, they've, they've given up a, a lot. Actually, they gave up a, a, second, a couple of second rounders in the Giordano trade as well. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, the, the cupboard is very bare. And that's, that's what happens when you have a strategy of trying to win now and trying to part with futures for short-term pieces that will help extend your window a bit further. And my number one criticism right now is that the team, this Leafs team, is, as well as they are programmed analytically, and I like the moves that they make from a forward and defense standpoint, it, this regime has never proven to me that they quite understand the goaltending position. And that's going to be a real theme, I think, going forward this season in the summer. Yeah, as we sit here right now, the Leafs have their first and third and the seventh round pick. So, uh, right. slim pickings there. Uh, I don't know exactly what they're, you know, if they're moving assets around, what they're going to do that way. But, but so the goaltending's a big, big question mark again. Uh, the blue line, I'm okay with. Are you? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, the other talk, and I don't think it's is that, that there's ne necessarily anything on the back burner is that, you know, Jake Muzzin for as good of a playoff he had, had a really difficult season and he's got two more years at 5.625 million. And maybe, maybe there's money to be had unlocking that way that creates some space because you've got someone like a Mark Giordano, albeit 38, who can kind of bounce between mid pair and back pair uh, spots on the left side and some other things that they need to do. Plus they have Lilligren and Sandine as restricted free agents. So 
they're likely due for some sort of raise. So you have to factor that in as well. So where's the money going to come from? Especially when you only have $7 million left to sign a few more players in your RFAs. So there's a lot of creativity that needs to be had there. And that's why there's the belief that someone's got to go to create the space. Even if you do clear Mirazik's uh, cap hit, it may not be enough with all the other pieces that you have to, to look to find. So defense, it might be okay, but look, Jake Muzzin was not the Jake Muzzin last year, and he's getting older, and has he regressed? Like, his playoffs were great, and that, that's a good sign, but do you want to deal with that for another season, hoping that, that Jake Muzzin's going to have that same playoff form next spring? I'm not sure. So those are other decisions the Leafs kind of have to figure out. Yeah, I mean, the best point is, you know, we can talk about what they should do, but without the cap space, it's somewhat limiting. So that would be job one, in my opinion, is is to create some cap space, and you're going to have to make some, some pretty tough decisions. Yep, yeah, it's going to be tough. Like we mentioned the RFAs, uh, we mentioned the uh, the USAs as well. Um, it's it's really tough. They've got, you know, Andre Kasha, They've got um, a whole bunch of UFAs. Jason Spezza they haven't made a decision on. And the longer that goes, the more I'm thinking the Leafs aren't going to bring him back because that's common sense. If, it, if you're going to bring him back, it's a simple minimum deal. That's always been the case, right? Yeah. So there's still deliberation there. You've got Pierre Engvall, who's a restricted free agent, who's making 1.25, who's also due for a raise. He's car- So guys like... Pierre Engvall, they're arbitration eligible. So yeah. so that that's going to be a tough one as well to kind of figure out their spot. So Ily Labushkin's a UFA, and he made a very uh, small amount of money. He probably gets more on the open market at 28 years old. A great right-handed defenseman that, you know, fit in pretty well with the Maple Leafs. But again, he's a UFA. He could go anywhere. So there's a lot of questions to figure out. There's also Ilya Mikheyev, but he's pretty much as good as gone because he's going to make probably three and a half, at least probably four with another team, and the Leafs just don't have the space for that type of winger, which is a shame because like, he was really great for the Leafs in a flexible role. Yeah, yeah, he was. All right, uh, let's play yes guy, no guy as we get set to uh, exit the podcast. So, Yes, guy, no guy, number one. The Leafs need minor tweaking. No guy, they need major tweaking, in my opinion. We've established that. A lot of people will say, yes, guy, that minor tweaking is enough. I think something more is needed to get this team beyond just good regular season results and competing but not winning in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with a, a no guy there. I think they've got to be very, very creative with how they how they patch this thing back together. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. Uh, they will have to entirely redo the goaltending tandem. Best guy. Uh, yeah, Mrazek. Like, I don't see a situation in the least cap cap situation right now, and what Mrazek showed in the past year, injuring his groin three times, where where he's. Uh, He's in there. The only easy solution for the Leafs, and it's not even easy because they don't want to necessarily start the season on LTI, but if Peter Mrazek is on LTI, that at least frees up the short-term space and the $3.8 million for the next two seasons. So he, like, I don't see a situation where he's in that tandem spot. 
And then the Jack Campbell one, that's going to be interesting because he's due for a huge raise. So in, in one shape or another, that tandem is definitely going to change. Yes, guy, no guy number three. The blue line is a strength. Oh, no guy. Oh. I still, I still like, look, I still think with the pieces that are missing there, I, I think in the regular season it's going to be fine. But again, I, I still think they need to get a stud, uh, a stud young defenseman that, to really push this team forward. Jacob Chickering's been talked about a lot. I think they need that type. I, I really do. Someone kind of in a long term to really make them feel like that there's no holes in there. I, I, uh, I'm worried about the steps that the mid that the mid pair took back in the regular season for, for me to call it a strength at this point. Okay, and the final yes guy, no guy. John Tavares to the wing. Yes guy. I think that was going to happen if the Leafs ended up losing game five when they were down to nothing. I think yeah. the Leafs would have been in desperation mode and they would have had to feel the need to try something. But then John Tavares came alive in, in those last few games, had his best showings of the series um, and was great in that role. But um, I, I do think that, they, you know, with Kerfoot and with Camp in there, I do think that they, they've got guys who can kind of fill that spot that I think they at least flirt with it for a little bit. So I, I do think we see Tavares on the way. Okay, so let, let me throw in a supplemental. It's not really a yes guy, no guy. Just want your thoughts. When you look at John Tavares playing on the wing, and you see Evander Kane playing on the wing with McDavid, do you, do you see that where Tavares could be on a line with Matthews and Marner? Yeah, well, I mean, they've actually tried that. Um, it was two years ago. The reason why that wing thing kind of got talked about was when when the Leafs were either down skilled players or they went into desperation mode where they needed offense. It was in Game 5 of Columbus in that play-in series where you actually saw Tavares with those guys. And the problem with that then was they just tried it then. They never tried it anywhere else. So it was really a Hail, Hail Mary play at that point to try and spark some sort of offense because they looked like every other deciding game they played in. They just they weren't getting it done. So... Um, so I think if they actually had an extended run where they tried that and where at this point, regular season, do you really care if they only get 98 points instead of all 105 next year or 115 or whatever it is, as long as they make the playoffs? Like, I'd rather see them experiment things and do, like, they tried it a little bit, but I really want to see them shuffle the deck, including trying cigars on the wing to just unlock what, what you never knew you really had. And especially with the way the game is changing. So so I, I think it could work if they give it an extended run. But that remains to be seen. He makes $11 million. They may feel justified that he still needs to carry a line. David, thanks for persevering and stopping by. I really appreciate it. Uh, we, we all have to push past everything that's going on in this day and age. So we're uh, happy to be here as always. Okay, and I want to thank everybody else for stopping by and joining us for Episode 33, Season 2 of Least Guy. I hope you come back next week for Episode 34.